a post-Christian production. What do you want to talk about tonight, Angela? Guess where we went this morning. Where did we go this morning? <gasps> we went to Eagle Brook Church in Woodbury. Minnesota. Yay. Yay. Eagle Brook is a huge mega church in the Twin Cities area. It has seven campuses, I believe. Um, and we went to the Woodbury campus because it is closest to our neighborhood. And... Both of us went in with (laughs) um, optimistic expectations, um, and we took some notes during the service, and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, so this is an episode of Out of the Attic Podcast, uh, but this is a special series called Two Atheists Go to Church. Two Atheists Go to Church. So today was April the 8th, and we went to Eagle Brook Church. So I just have some observations. So first of all, it's this giant building that you can't really tell. It looks like it it could be an office. It could be a a YMCA or like some kind of workout place. It's just a big building. But it has parking lots that just sprawl. They're huge. They're they're bigger than mall parking lots. Just Yeah, just a very large parking lot. and so we park in the back, and of course, the first thing we see is uh, four white girls, probably in high school, getting out of their BMW SUV with all their Starbucks coffee, like, hey, I'm coming to church! And they were late! Um, yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. So that kind of set the tone of, like, shit, we don't belong here. <laughs> um, but... So we walk into the church, and Teens we have to go BMWs. four Ooh. sets of doors to get to the sanctuary. Yep. Um, and we get in there, and it's it felt like I was at First Avenue, which is a rock venue. I feel like there were laser lights and LED lights, and it looked like a smoke machine had been going, and there were like six or seven people up on the stage uh, singing uh, with big monitors of the, of the ceiling. It was, it was weird. It freaked me out. It was very coming in from the daylight outside and then walking into this dark like rock venue and then we were trying to walk up these stairs in the dark and in the dark and I was I tripped. I tripped a couple times. I was kind of hungover so it didn't help the cause. And uh yeah it was it was very loud and very dark but the entire stage was lit up with these very Big LED screens, and it was yeah, it was very reminiscent of like a show at First Avenue, and like the pulpit altar place where you would give a sermon was just a big stage. It just looked like a big theater stage. Um, the so the worship band's playing, and I don't know if I don't know any of these people. I don't know their names. I don't know if they're actually you know, believers or if they're paid to be there or what. But they have live cameras, like two guys, two dudes. This is their job. Like, have these live video cameras so that you can see close-ups of these people on these bigger screens. So, I mean, the production value was – it was it was very good. I mean, it was, like, high. But also that means that nothing's unscripted. Like, everything is the way it's supposed to be. It's very produced. So nothing can just spontaneously happen. 
Um, unless something broke, you know, but other right. than that, like it's just straight up. Um, yeah, it was really weird to me to see these two guys kind of just running around on, on stage, like doing close-ups of the drummer. And at one point, the keyboardist's hands you were... You can see his cool tattooed cl- wedding ring. Yeah, it was like a close-up of his hands, and he's all... Beep, 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 beep. What's the verse and, in uh, Leviticus? What is it? It says you're not supposed to tattoo your skin. It's probably, probably just that verse. On his hand, just like something about do not do not mark your skin for the dead, or something. I remember reading that when I was still a believer and desperately wanted a bunch of tattoos, and there were multiple interpretations of it. One is like, don't you know, graffiti your creation, like God created you in His perfect image, and why would you want to? you know, alter your skin. But I think the deeper meaning was like, don't mourn for the dead because they're with God. I think, I mean, I'm not a Bible scholar by any means. And I'm sure it's, Levit- any- it's Leviticus 19:28. Okay. It says, do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Um, I'm trying to find different, different, uh, it's the just, Net Bible says you must not slash your body for the dead per, uh, person or incise a tattoo on yourself. I'm the Lord. So tattoos strictly prohibited, not just for the dead. So whoops. Oops. Because Christians got to stop getting tattoos. Oops. Oh, oopsies. Oopsies. Um, so anyway, that was the, so the band went on and played a bunch of songs I'd never heard before. So me and Angela both grew up in the church and uh, then we became evangelicals in our high school years. And so we know all the typical like worship songs, but these weren't worship songs the way I remember them. They were mm-hmm. different. So um, they were almost like, you know how everything is like the force awakens or, you know, everyone's talking about these, these things like an awakening changing. And so the f- songs in this, this nonsense song they're singing is uh, your love awakens me. I don't know what that means. Like it, that makes me come alive, makes me more, I don't, I don't know. What does it do? Your your love makes me want to get out of bed in the morning. I guess. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Uh, anyway. There was another um, line that they kept repeating. What was that? Your, your name is higher than the rising sun? Yep, your name is higher than the rising sun. I wrote that down. I wrote bizarre right behind it. Yeah, that one I understand less than your love awakens me. Your name is higher than the rising sun. Well, I was like, I know it's just a song and it's stupid. Like Mark Twain said, anything too stupid to be said is sung. But like. Oh, oh, Mark. <laughs> I mean, I was like, but I want to just be like, the sun doesn't actually rise. You know, like be that asshole. Like the sun doesn't actually rise. Yeah. In fact, we orbit around the sun. We're moving. It's stationary. <laughs> Science. It's like magic. Only it's <laughs> not true. <laughs> Um, so, but we're not here to pick apart worship songs no. in a scientific way. <laughs> no, we're just talking about our experiences going to this church that apparently is a very normal church. So, I mean, it has tons of yes, members. Yes, tons and tons of members. One of the most successful churches in the Twin Cities. We see people with these, uh, EBC, like in lowercase cursive on the back of their cars for Eagle Brook Church mm-hmm. all over the place. All over. Yeah. I mean, it's bizarre. Um, 
But I, I don't know. I found it. The, I found the singing distracting because there were so many like light effects going on that I, I was I couldn't. No, and people around us weren't singing either. Um, they were just That's kind of experiencing it, I guess. Yeah, I found the worship. Um, in, they didn't. They didn't call it worship. They called it singing. Remember? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I guess I found it in comparison to churches I've been in the past very passive. Yeah. Like other churches I've been, you like raise your hands, you're, you know, you smile at your neighbor and you're singing these you songs. You actually have a hymnal. Have a hymnal, like a something. But here it was very much like you were a passive observer of this rock band singing about God. So it's like, like a free concert almost. And the other thing that was interesting was after the song was done, like the lights would fade down, like, and then people would applaud, which I've never seen in a church, in like a worship setting, unless uh-huh. they some guy like rips a gnarly guitar riff and people, yeah, Kevin, good for you, like. But here it was very much lights go down, people applaud, lights come back up, the band performs their next song. Yes. And the audience is very <laughs> passive in that. It the uh, the service seemed very uh, seeker friendly and very uh, uh, Jesus needs to save you, but they're not the judge of that, which they kept saying those two things in concert. So like you need to have Jesus in your heart, or you know what's going to happen to you when you die. Mm. But mm, d- uh, don't take it from <clears> me because <throat> I'm not a judge. I'm not the judge. I'm just telling you the news. I mean, I remember he said God has been very clear, and I was like, "Has he?" Um, so <coughs> the only thing, the only thing we actually got when we went to the church is a two-sided piece of paper. It's like stock paper, it's a little thicker. It says "Welcome to Eagle Brook," and there are three things on the side. It says "Find Faith." We want to help you grow in faith in a real and authentic way. Today, we hope you learn something new about Jesus and life. Mm. Next to that, it says "Today's Service." If you're new to Eagle Brook and you prefer to quietly observe, that's okay. Each week we'll spend some time singing and worshiping God. We'll have a time of teaching from the Bible, and we'll wrap things up by praying together. Um, although those are very loose terms, like you could go to this church and not say a word to anybody, and it wouldn't be weird. So we walked through the door, and people said, welcome, just the greeters, yeah. and they had name tags. Uh-huh. Then we walked and got this piece of paper, and they said, here you go. Mm-hmm. And then we, someone asked me if I wanted to come sit in the front, and I was like, no. <laughs> so we walked all the way to the back You're row. You're like, no, ma'am. Walked all the way to the back of the church and sat in the back row. But there isn't a time during the service where there's where you turn to your neighbor and you say, hello. And, you know, How's it going? And trying to peace to each other. None of that. There's no communion. Um, you don't really do anything together. Um, and we'll, we'll get more to that, too. Then the last thing on this piece of paper says, closer look. Are you looking to get connected at your campus and grow in your faith? Well, we have the perfect next step for you. This weekend after every service, we're offering a closer look. A 30-minute introduction, so it must be real close to this 30 minutes, <laughs> mm. to who we are as a church and an opportunity to dig deeper into our mission and vision while making some new connections. We hope you'll check it out. And then at the very bottom says, how can we pray for you? Step by the front of the auditorium after the service to pray with someone or visit eaglebrookprayer.com. But when the service was over today, it was like someone pulled a fire alarm. Like, it was just like, Skyler! 
People were out of there. It was, like we we just sat down and waited. Yeah, it, it was like okay, okay, my my sermon is over, and people are like fear, like practically running out of the building, which was very weird. Yeah, and then there was a traffic jam in the parking lot. We had to wait in the parking lot for like 10 minutes to get out of there. Yeah. Because there was so much traffic. Yeah. And like only two ways out. Um, And it was all stop signs, which was kind of... Kind of old-fashioned. Yeah. We had a stoplight once in my town. They tore it down. We didn't like it. Um, And then on the back of the piece of paper that they gave us is their sermon series which uh, it says seven words to change your life. And we were at actually the beginning of this series. We listened to the first one. And the word was yes. 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 Yes can change your life. Yes. Um, Yeah. So the pastor's name is uh, Jason Strand. And we don't have anything bad to say about him. We're not taking any personal shots. But – Clarification, is he the Woodbury campus pastor or is he the overall pastor? Because, shocking, the talk we heard today was given by a guy on a screen. Yeah. Being, through the satellite waves, he came into the Eagle Brook Woodbury campus. So it wasn't a real guy. But the real guy did speak. Like, before worship, he's like, hey, my name is... I think that was Jason. And he's like, hey, it's Jason, and this is how this goes, and see ya. And then I thought he was going to come back after worship, but then the screen just came down. And then this guy, who apparently was at another campus, was giving this talk, and so we just watched the, the it on TV. The guy on the TV was Jason Strand. Oh, Okay. So the other guy who was the head campus specifically, head pastor specifically for Woodbury, is not Jason. No. I don't know who that guy was. Yeah, I forgot his name. He spoke for, like, less than a minute. He's like, hey, now we're going to do worship. If you don't want to sing, that's okay. And then afterwards, I think he was the one who was going to do Closer Look. So Jason Strand is the teaching pastor. Okay. Okay, so the their senior pastor is Bob Merritt, white, okay. middle-aged. Their executive pastor is Tyler Gregory, mm-hmm. white male, middle-aged. Mm-hmm. Their teaching pastor is Jason Strand, white male, middle-aged. The executive director mm-hmm. of Eagle Brook Association is white, middle-aged. Got it. Executive director of operations is a white woman. Executive director of ministry development is a white, middle-aged man. Mm-hmm. Executive director of band ex- uh, brand experience. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. He is a white middle aged man. The executive what? director of campus ministry is a white middle aged man. So this is an all looks like white upper middle class men and one white woman. So very what is a, a brand ambassador. A, a d- executive director of brand experience. What? Yeah. Um, so, all right, that's... I'm so confused! I know, this is bizarre. Um... I'm genuinely confused at what that means. (laughs) If someone could tell me what what that means, that would be great. (laughs) Get a clue, lady! Because I don't know! I don't know! Um, okay, so I'm just, I'm just reading about what they say they're about. So who we are... 
Um, they exist to reach people for Christ, and that's the heart behind everything we do. We want to create an environment where you can be challenged and encouraged, find Christ-centered community, and grow in your faith. Um, you can connect with people who can re- you can relate to. Uh, we aren't designed to go through life alone, and we believe this is a place you'll find lasting relationships, relationships that encourage you, challenge you, and bring you joy. To encounter God each weekend, you'll begin to experience a kind of real life change that only comes through knowing Him. And as you walk at the door, we hope you feel refreshed and ready to take um, all the ups and downs life throws your way. Um, so, okay. That big old roller coaster of life. Yeah, it's everything here is really bad. Or not bad, sorry, not bad. <laughs> Very bland. Tell, tell me how you really feel. It's very, it's very bland and very uh, non-committal. <laughs> Everything here is very bad. Bad. Um, <laughs> a Freudian slip. So yeah, that was a Freudian slip. So follow Jesus. Spend time with God. Connect in community. Serve others. But the service part is always really non-specific. It just says, we serve people. But, I mean, that they probably just mean, like, fair trade coffee in their cafe and then live generously. So I'm just sorry. I'm just uh, trying to check this out for a little bit. Huh. So I mean, pretty standard evangelical uh, beliefs. Like, they're, I don't, wouldn't say they're fundamentalists. I just say they're, they're boring. Um they're not doing it like they're, they're not really connecting with the faith world of being a Christian and like the call of Jesus to take care of the poor and take care of the stranger and the, and take in immigrants and like, yeah, nothing, the, nothing was mentioned in the realm of service. Well, the, so being atheists, when people get hyper religious, like our radars go up and we're just like, why is this guy talking about like all this religious stuff in my, in this setting. I didn't feel like I got very much religious talk at all today. I felt yeah. like it was very, like I, f- I didn't feel offended at all at any point. Right. <laughs> Other than just offended by like the stupidity of some of the things that dude said, um, which we'll get to in a little bit. We talked about the sermon was about, yes. Um, and the first thing they talked about though, is they, they broke their record for the most people attending for Easter. And I thought that was weird. That you just drag up. Look we're, how many people came. We're number one. Yeah, they said like fifty over fifty two thousand people attended their services in like this congregation, like all their sites around the twin like cities. Like who's keeping track though? Yeah, and I, I thought that was bizarre. well. I mean, they are, but what? I don't know. So they can so they can have numbers. So they can try to press people with money. Have don't don't. I guess. Oh yeah, um, I guess. So yeah, I th- I felt the sermon was approachable for white upper middle class people. Um, like they talked about saying yes to that job offer, saying yes to the real estate agent when you decide to buy a house. And I was like, not a lot of people can actually buy houses. Like they, that, that would just go over their head. Like right. a lot of people in our community can't afford to own their own home or don't have good enough credit to own their own home. So that would just go straight over their heads. Um, and I thought that was just an oversight, but I, maybe that's just the way it is. Um, and the pastor told us his engagement story, which was okay. Um, but during the story, he said he had one of his friends dress up as a street person. Oh. Which I can only assume oh. he meant, like, homeless or vagrant. Yes. But or, or was even – was, like, street person, like, street performer. So, like, he had his friend dress up like one of the urban people, which is usually a convenient, you know, cloth for racism. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, that rug rubbed me the wrong way when he said, I, ha- I had my buddy dress up like a street person. And, p- and play their favorite song at one of their as stops. She, as she walked by, it was this very elaborate proposal, and he was talking about... It was just a scavenger hunt. It wasn't that elaborate. Well, he set off, like, fireworks and stuff, which is, like, I'm sure costs a pretty penny. Um, Joshua just made a jerk-off motion. <laughs> um... <laughs> But, I mean, it, it was all about, you know, I knew my wife was going to say yes, so why did I do all this stuff? Because I love her. Yeah. And we need to say yes to God and do all of his good deeds well, because we love God. And he was he was saying how we need to love God and obey God and push us out of our own comfort zone. But they don't mean comfort zone like, yeah, you should probably go to the leper colony. And uh, hang out or give all your money away. It wasn't like that. It was like, well, I really don't want to give more than 20 bucks to this church organization. But I guess for the burden of Christ, I'll give 22. Yeah, I I won't downsize my gigantic house so I can give more to the poor. Like, yeah. I mean, the kind of thing like, well, I don't want to carpool because I hate my wife. But I guess in the way to church should be okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, is that how you obey God? Church okay. God? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we just opened a can of worms here that there was a huge underlying condescension toward his wife. Yeah. He kept mentioning her and he would – and not just his wife, women in general. And as a woman and as a feminist – I can sniff out this stuff a mile away. And when he was talking about... At one point, we had both written down the same thing. Uh, she wrote condescending, and I wrote belittling. But <laughs> we yeah. both looked at her like, we both wrote the same thing. Well, he went on and on and on about this proposal and was like, I did all this amazing stuff, and I did this, and I did that. And, you know, and I knew she was going to say yes. I mean, what is she? Like, you know, he didn't say that, but... Yeah. And he made another comment about her not being organized. How she's yes. like, how she wants she wants to be organized, and I'm like, well, yeah, but you're a slob, and you know. Well, no, he said. I actually wrote it down in my notes. He said, um, he gave us three areas in which to say yes. One is say yes to who God says you are. Say yes to what God tells you to do, and then say yes to the gifts God wants to give. And this was under the first to say yes to who God says you are. And he talked about, you know, reading Ephesians and talking about waking up in the morning and being like, yes, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm chosen. I'm set apart. I'm God's child. And then he's like, my wife came to me one day and was like, I wish I was more organized. And, you know... (laughs) I was trying to listen to her, but in my head, I was like, who cares? God actually wrote down his quote, who cares? God doesn't care if you're the princess of tidiness. <laughs> I what? Huh? What? She's trying to be more organized, probably because you have two kids. She takes the brunt of... You know, preparing meals, doing laundry, stuff like that. And that's just an assumption. I'm just assuming at this point. But if that's a real, you know, thing that she wants to pursue, why would you be like, God 
doesn't care about that, you old hag. <laughs> get, the, get the laundry done and make you're, me dinner. You're more than a conqueror. Why would he care if you're organized? We're not like, saying that they're actually like this. But just the way he said it, just like, the princess of Titans. And like, it sounded very condescending. It That's did. all I'm saying. It did sound very condescending. Um, and I wrote in capital letters at this point in my notes, my God, this guy is condescending to his wife. And the one thing, like, I wrote, so in this part of my notes where I'm at, I, I wrote, we are a group of people watching a talking picture. <laughs> this, this is weird. So, it is weird. So instead of having a person on stage giving an actual physical talk, they had a life-size screen on the stage, like where he would be if he were talking, with him at a different location. I don't know if it was live or not. I don't think it was. But being beamed in to this church service that we were at. So they've got these two big screens up top, left and right, on each side of the this giant auditorium. And then his one in the middle. But... The background, wherever he was, was the same fucking background that was actually there. They coordinated their LED lights. Yeah, so it was, I was like, this is so bizarre. It was almost like they had a hologram Tupac, but not quite. Right. Um, but I just, I just thought that was so weird. Because like when a person They were just not, intensifying the illusion. When a person's not actually there, it just seems like a way to make more money. Yeah. Like we can't fit enough people into this room, so we'll do. We'll just make a bunch of other churches, and we'll just fucking shoot the video at them. It just seems so weird. I just thought it would be hilarious if at some point just the power went out. So he's like... Or malfunction. Yeah. So read Ephesians. Who does God say that I... (laughs) Just like silence, and we're like, oh. You can just hear the the soundboard guy. Fuck. Yeah. You're like, oh, wait. Nobody's actually here. I guess we'll... Run out of here like we do every Sunday. Uh, and then he, he did ask people to read Ephesians and ask people, what does uh, what does God say that I am? Um, the only thing I thought he said that was kind of clever was he said, uh, it's the start that stops us. Mm-hmm. Where he said like, which I was like, I've heard that from other people before, like Peter Rollins and so, like how just, you know, admitting the problem is the first step or whatever, but right. uh, you don't get started. So to, to start small with whatever you want to change in your life, I don't know if you want to change something. I don't know if you want to say the same, but, uh, and talking about how God delights in just you starting a small change. And I mean, as an atheist, I don't think there's a God to delight in that, but I do appreciate the sentiment of, you know, people, when they start something, they want to be immediately good and, you know, they want to be a master without putting in the time, but just the act of starting something and like sucking at it for a while, Mm -hmm. like to still appreciate that part of it. Yeah. That, that I, I found worthwhile. Um, so the whole thing just seems so incredibly unserious to me, and it just seemed like such a waste of time. So someone, so someone like me, who I went to seminary and have been studying uh, scripture and religion since two thousand and one, uh, so it's a long time, and it just seemed so unserious to me. It just seemed like, well, yeah, this is the most important part of our life, or whatever. <laughs> Or like, Whatever, man. In name only. You know, it just kind of, 
it felt like the big Lebowski saying like, well, that's just like your opinion, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, the same thing is like, God's really clear about what he says, but psh, I'm not a judge. <laughs> like, God like sent these sinners to hell, but I mean, who am I to judge? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I can see why they would want to do that, you know, to encourage more people to come in, but like the, like trying to grow people in the faith. I don't see well, the, that happening if the, you keep it that surface. Well, the, like, yeah, it was so surfacey. So, uh, I mean, there's, I mean, it was 20 feet long and an inch deep. You know, <laughs> that was it. It was just, it was not, uh, they were not digging for water. Let's put it that way. Um, they were in kiddie pool territory. They, they, they were in like kiddie pool when you're a kid. Like the little plastic the ones. infant. Yeah. Infant pool. Like the one Homer Simpson gets drunk in and like <laughs> digs hot dogs out of. Yeah. yeah that one. Um, they were in Homer Simpson hot dog pool territory. They might have even been in one of those little tubs that are for kegs. No, no, you know? no. Just like, oh, we're not having fun, but dad keeps putting us in here. <laughs> um, it, it just seemed so, it, it was just like a drive through church. Like you come in, you sit down. There's nothing there. There's no Bible. There's no hymnal. There's no no nothing. piece of paper. You that, sit. You don't talk to anybody. <laughs> you don't talk to anyone. You watch these folks play play in a rock band, and then you watch a screen of a guy. Another thing that was bizarre about this whole deal is that they referenced like really old Christian principles, like the Romans road, which is like, I don't even know what that is. It's the four verses in Romans that can lead someone to salvation, but it was like coined in like the eighties. So I didn't think it was like a relevant thing to bring up. And then he kept bringing up my utmost for his highest, like that old devotional that I thought was old when we were in college uh, at Bethel. But I I, I thought it was bizarre. There was nothing, Nothing flashy other than the worship. It was just look like a rock show, like we said earlier. Mm-hmm. But it didn't. I don't know why people would go back. It was just so vanilla and so just bored. Like if we weren't there, like doing research for this, I would have left. Not because I would have been offended for any religious sensibilities. Because wow, this guy is talking extemporaneously for way too long, and. This whole group of smelly, weird people doesn't isn't doing anything for me because I'm not, and no one's interacting with me at all. And we're they're watching a not real, like a not physical human. Just, I mean, he is a physical human, but he's just out of screen. He's not physically <laughs> there in front of you. You like, can't interact at all. Like, if you a question about the sermon, you can't be like, "Hey, wait, I, I wanted to talk to you about that." But they do have. No one can even shout like a like a confirming amen. Like he's not going to hear you. Yeah. He's just on the screen. That's why I thought that when he'd tell a joke and the congregation would laugh, I thought that was weird. Yeah, I thought that was weird too. Yeah, it felt like a laugh track of like an old sitcom. <laughs> I felt like Seinfeld was coming on. And then my wife, <laughs> she's crazy. Ha 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 ha. Like, yeah. And there was a lot of, he would talk about how for each of these three saying yes, he would go into a personal story which is fine, but it seemed so... I am doing the absolute right thing for my family. Like, Oh, and all I, his stories were like about being privileged and being rich and how like he yeah. has connections and that works out. Okay. There he, was, he didn't brag about his wealth, I should say that. He wasn't like, let me tell you how much I'm worth. 
throws a couple dollar bills in the air. Um, he did. No, <laughs> but he was talking about how saying yes to the gifts God wants to give. Um, and he talked about like when he gets to heaven, he doesn't want to name off like all the good that he did while he was on earth. He just wants to fall down on his knees and point at Jesus who isn't the same as God. So God and Jesus are saying, but, or he's talking to God, but then points at, I don't understand the Trinity. Anyway, so he Nobody said does. he wants to point at Jesus and say, God, I'm with him. And that's a good enough reason to get into heaven. But then he follows it up with this story about this I'm with him narrative. And he had a guy from one of the seven campuses who knew this NBA ref. And he's like, oh, hey, man, do you and your sons want to go to a T-Wolves game? Timberwolves, Minnesota Timberwolves is our basketball team. Um, You know, and do you want to, like, sit in the front row or do you want to come down on the court before the show and meet the players? He's like, oh, sweet, man. So he, being that he is a rich upper-class white male who knew another rich upper-class white male, he had the connection of going down and having his kids meet Carl Anthony Towns, he's like our star player, and a bunch of other players, and they talked about going backstage, and they ate like this free food and stuff, and how his kids were like, Daddy, this is the best day of my life! I got to meet Carl Anthony Towns, and I got to, you know hang out with all these celebrities and eat this free food. And he's like, it's because I was with that guy who knew the ref. Just like Jesus. And that's like being with Jesus getting into heaven. Ironically, he preferenced this before, prefaced this before saying that heaven is not a country club, which I thought was hilarious because then he launched into this story about all his connections and how he's such a good dad because his kids got to meet NBA players because they knew another rich white guy. Until like and I was next, like, that's exactly how country clubs work. Until like next year when you find out that one of those guys is just like Bill Cosby. And you'd be like, eh, you met uh, rapey guy. Uh, uh, um, but I also thought one thing that was interesting is they talked about heaven and getting into heaven. And how, like Jesus is the only way, and God's been very clear about that. But they're taking the easy way out. They're talking about heaven with no worldly justice whatsoever, no accountability in this world. Um, like his story about his kids and this like privileged thing that he got to do just seemed really unaware to me. Like he just seemed like he had no self awareness that yeah. he was totally bragging. Um, yes, he. They don't care about inequality whatsoever, especially. Um, Income disparities or anything like that, which I think Jesus would really care about. Um, so no thought about context. Uh, there was no talk of anything that will help their community um, or better anyone's circumstance in life. They didn't talk about taking care of their neighbors. I mean, th- for God's sakes, this is a campus out in the fringe of a suburb in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. And it's like out of the way. It's, it's got like a huge campus, but mm-hmm. there's nothing really around it. There's not like homes or like businesses or anything. And so, the only homes around it are like very new, 
like kind of they gentrified were, communities. But they were were they all condos? No. Yeah. yeah. Or like duplex not 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 a duplex, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, like townhomes town and homes, stuff. Yeah. But yeah, there's like there's nothing around the church. So the church exists solely to be a place where people come to learn and like to be taught about the Bible, which I think is idiotic. Um it's uh we've talked about this before in the Sacred Collective, another group podcast we do, um, about how people worship the well and not the water. So like you have this giant building that you have to pay for. You have in Minnesota you have to heat it for most of the year because mm-hmm. it's this huge space. So it has to be warm, then it has to be air conditioned, it's pay for the electricity and the water, the blah, blah, blah. But you're paying for all this stuff that's unnecessary because your your church isn't actually helping the community. That it's in, it's sucking out of the community. So it's so it, it's probably actually because it's there, it probably actually hurts other people in that community because nobody who goes to that church probably lives probably near the. Well, some of them might, but a lot of the license plate we saw today were from Wisconsin. So a lot of people yeah. are crossing the border. It's not that far, really. Uh, when you're in Woodbury, it's mm-hmm. like what twenty minutes to the Wisconsin border. Right. Not even if that. Um. Yeah, but they they didn't have any concept of community. Even if they do have small groups, which I'm sure they do, mm-hmm. I don't think they give a shit about the surround the actual surrounding community that surrounds the building that their church is part of. Right. Um, like they'd probably give to like the United Way or you know Second Harvest Heartland or some of the other uh, places around the Twin Cities that do good work of feeding the poor. But they're not doing anything in their specific communities whatsoever that I know of or that I could see or that I got any information regarding. Um, so yeah, that's why it seems so unserious to me. And then they started, they pulled heartstrings by showing a video of Billy Graham's daughter at the funeral saying something she said that was about him showing her the love of God, uh, which like people started like tearing up and stuff. And so they did that and they used music, uh, music to basically tell us that God's answer to us is always yes. What if you're like, God... I want a thousand bottles of whiskey and 20 prostitutes. God's like, are you Ted Haggard? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sick burn Ted Haggard jokes. Um, Yeah, I I just, it seemed so that there's no substance there. It was just self-indulgence. Just like, Like, I think the whole thing was an ice cream cone. Here's something that'll make you happy, but it melts in five minutes. I think the analogy you said about like, the like like a fast food church or like a drive through church. People get there. I mean, we had we were running a little late. We got there maybe like five after eleven when it was supposed to start, and people were still streaming in. Yeah, barely knew. Like, like it wasn't. It wasn't like it was weird that we were late. Um, it seemed normal. Then right afterwards, people were gone. Like it was very much, and people weren't participating in the worship and i mean they certainly weren't participating in the message because we were watching it on a screen yeah so it was very much come in intake all this stuff real fast and get the fuck out like it was very fast food drive-through church should we start felt like should we start a rating for like churches oh okay so we could say um how many cocktails you'd have to have before you could walk back into the church? Oh, okay. That church. I like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's a it's a three cocktail church. I'd say like two. I mean, because it wasn't necessarily like a nasty atmosphere. Like I didn't feel uncomfortable per se, but I felt very isolated. 
Yeah. Which is bizarre because you're with almost like it was. There was over two thousand people there. Yeah, there were over two thousand people, but I definitely did not feel a part of what was going on. No, I and I mean that's not just because I don't believe in God or that people were mean. It's no. just it was just very passive. Very, this is happening to me and nobody else. And then when it's done, I'm out of here. This church is just happening. Um, I can't believe they have seven locations. Like the pastor that was today was not very charismatic. Um, he didn't, he was, he was so middle of the road. He he wasn't edgy. He wasn't, uh, particularly funny. He wasn't particularly profound. Um, I wouldn't. Like, he was I, like a bowl of like lukewarm oatmeal. He was like a substitute teacher. <gasps> such a good analogy. Yeah. Yes. It's like he didn't care. As a substitute teacher who is condescending towards women. <laughs> uh, yeah, who doesn't doesn't care about. I don't know. I don't. I, I, we're not trying to disparage this this person at all. Uh, we don't know them. Well, this is just our experience of the day. So like, it's just us going to the into a church we've never been to. Just as outsiders, and then our personal opinion. Yep, just experiencing it. Um, so, if that church wanted to attract more people like us, right? Like what, what? What could they do? More. I mean, the name of the game here is not having personal connection with anything in that church. Yeah. Like I, f- you might as well have strapped me to a conveyor belt. And just like like rode me rode me through that church service like I was going through. It's a small world in Walt Disney World. Like here's your ticket. Get on the ride. Shut up. Sing, 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 sing. Listen to this guy. Okay, you're done. Meow. And then you're off. Yeah. (laughs) There was no personal connection whatsoever. Not even a. Hey, it's Sunday morning. Say hello to your neighbor. Yep. Wait, like the person in the pew. Yeah, and they weren't pews. They're actually comfy chairs, auditorium style seating. Um, but I was so shocked that, I mean, this is one of the most popular churches in the Twin Cities, and it's so. I felt so isolated there. Yeah. It's very, very weird. It was weird. Um, I mean, so even though we are not believers, we do. We don't believe in community. Like we believe in having community. So like mm-hmm. like a church community. We have we have groups of friends that come over all the time and that's we just have good friends and it's it's hard to do anything well, but I think we've been really good at collecting really good people and those are our community. And we can bounce anything off them. It's not I don't know why it has to be it's like, well, it has to be your small group that helps you. I think that just helps churches like retain retain their usefulness. Right. You know, like well, I mean, and it fosters some sort of smaller connection, but still, it's like, I don't know. I mean, even when I was in small groups in a church, like, it wasn't necessarily people that I even meshed with very well. Yeah. But it's like, you you have to mesh with them because they're your small group and they're the only friends the only you have. Small group you'll ever have. <laughs> yeah, right? These are the people you share your most intimate things with. And it's like you don't even really get to choose. Like you're just yeah. kind of in this. And just because you all go to this church, they're like, oh, yeah, you'll get along. Well, and there's a lot more of their stuff's online. So they have apps and they have um, things you can get on your phone and like download the Eagle Brook app. 
so we can uh, to view discussion questions, watch the message again, or support Eagle Book Finan- Eagle Brook financially. Download the app available for Android and iPhone. And I don't know what that is, but I don't want it. Um, I don't need another app on my phone. My phone's the most full anyway. Um, yeah. It just it just seems so like I said I've said this several times, but unserious. Like they don't really take their faith seriously, and it's good to go to church. Um, but it didn't seem like anyone had any sort of higher commitment to performing the faith, you know, like, yeah. And not in their, even their orthodoxy didn't seem like they really cared. They're like, yeah, well, we like, we, we love Jesus or whatever, but we're not going to be super strict about it. Right. Like, I, I mean, I don't know how strict their doctrine is. Um, it doesn't look like they're, they're queer friendly. But it doesn't say it doesn't anything say, specifically anti-queer on their no. website, but I don't know as a I feel if, like if if I were if I were a part of a gay couple and I was there, I would not feel comfortable. Yeah. They didn't say anything specifically that would be offensive that way, but I don't it didn't seem like it would be a friendly place for that. Um, but like I said before, it's really passive. Yeah. Like would people even notice I was part of a same-sex couple? Oh, I mean, they noticed we were wearing leather jackets. Yeah. I got the side-eye from a couple folks. Yeah. So, well, so did I, because I look pretty androgynous, but... I mean, they probably thought I was queer. <laughs> and maybe I am. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's... The whole takeaway for me was church happened to me and like this is how like a church like raped you no no that's not just like i said i felt like i was like happened to me i felt like i was just like strapped into this ride i wasn't interacting with anyone else and i just went through it and then came out the other side yeah, I, de- I definitely didn't, and maybe because we're it was pi- so we're picky. impersonal. It was well, we're and we're more intellectually honest, and we've had deep questions about faith for years, and we've deconstructed that have led us to where we are now. So, like, we take our faith very seriously because uh, we, we stopped having faith. Yeah, you know, but not because we were just like, man, rules, oh. rules oh. are for fools. Yes. <laughs> It wasn't like, oh, man, you mean I can't love Jesus and just do heroin all the time? Oh, man. Losing losing your faith is a very arduous, hard process. And it's not something I would want a lot of people to go through because it wasn't fun. No. But I take what I believe really seriously. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't seriously be a part of it anymore. And I don't know. Especially in that context. Um, I was raised Catholic, so like church is a lot more serious in general. Yeah. Um, Well, Missouri Synod Lutheran is pretty serious too. Yeah. I mean, but also like much more community orientated and based. Yeah. Like, like not only does usually the priest live either right next to the church or in the church. So they're always there. They're part of that community because they're rooted there. Um, mm-hmm. This pastor, not only was he not from the neighborhood, he wasn't even there. <laughs> you know, he like, wasn't even in the building. He today. wasn't even in the building. <laughs> like, that's just so bizarre to me. Uh, 
And uh, like even when they did collection, it wasn't ever announced by anyone. It was just there's a bucket on the way out, and you threw. So you saw people throwing their collections in that bucket. So you didn't even get the interaction of someone next to you handing you a collection. Yeah, or someone nudging you with one of those pole sticks, you know? Yeah. Did you guys have hey, those? Hey, hey, Come on. Get your loose change Give me your money. Uh, you did. got loose change in there. Come on. Pony him, old man. Pony up. Yeah, we didn't even get that. So I didn't even have a, an, a stranger awkwardly asking for money. Um. I mean, it was clear from the start that they have a fuckload of money. Yeah. Yeah, like they they crime to their money and spend it on I don't know. Like they had definitely state of the art sound equipment and their oh, their yeah. soundboard looked like like First Avenue. Um, or, it looked better than First Avenue <laughs> soundboard. Their lighting and sound was better than First Avenue, which is like the premier venue in all of Minnesota. Yeah, sorry, First Ave. But you, maybe you should just buy Eagle Brook and have concerts. <laughs> maybe you should steal their soundboard. Oh, yeah. We'll help. You know what it looks like now. Yeah. Um, we that, need that is two not a very, serious threat. We need two very strong men. No. Just kidding. Or women. Or women. Who are tech savvy and have a van. But not too organized, those dum-dums. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't really have much more to say about it other than... Um, I don't get it. I don't get why people go back. I don't get what kind of nourishment, like spiritual nourishment you get from that place. Because mm-hmm. it was so base level, very beginner. And maybe, I don't maybe maybe that sermon series gets much more complicated. Doubt it. Um, especially with the next word is no. No. And then after that, thanks. Thanks. And enough. Enough. Then it's help, help. Help! Uh, that it's sorry, sorry. And the last one is wow, wow. Seven words to change your life. Um, oh, and the congregation—it was most mostly white people. Mostly white people. Mostly, mostly white people. upper middle class white people. Yeah. Uh, so that's all we have about Eagle Brook Church. Yeah. So it for- was an experience. Yeah. So for Out of the Attic Podcast and this special edition of Two Atheists Go to Church. Two Atheists Go to Church. Until uh, a later date, keep on keeping on. Next week we're going to go to Substance. I think Substance. We're going to go to Substance, which I already have a chip in my shoulder about that church. I kind of do too, but we'll we'll try our best. I made a joke. I've been to Substance before. When I was an evangelical, so it'll be really interesting going back, and we'll we'll see. When I went to college, I wrote for the the school paper called the Clarion, and I wrote an article that I said churches like substance which have none, and someone responded to me in the letter to the editor section that said someone didn't love you. Oh. That's why you're shitty on other people's dreams. Oh, so to be continued. Oof. Oof. Until then, keep on keeping on. Power to the working class. A post-Christian production.